0: Back on a brand new season, brand new edition of what is currently known as the same old podcast. Uh, the new name is in beta, so you know the board of directors are trying out some new names, and we'll hopefully have one figured out here pretty soon. But uh, without further ado, I'm going to introduce my uh, colleague, co host, and cousin JP, as always. With special guest, PJ, also known as Kyle, and, uh, boys, how are we doing? It's almost, it's almost football season.
1: Can't come soon enough. Doing well, Jack, doing well. It's good to be back after a, a nine-month hiatus.
0: Yeah, just kind of feels right.
1: It does feel right, We're you know?
0: In the basement talking football again.
1: That's all it's about. That's all it's about. We're, we're just a few weeks away from the kickoff of, of college football, and the next thing you know it's going to be NFL. Yep. So we're finally back. The dog days of summer are soon behind us.
0: Yeah, it's, it's always uh, a bittersweet thing because obviously summer is awesome, but it's just if only there was football in the summer, then everything would be great.
1: That's true. That's true. That's true, but we got we got a we got two teams ranked in the preseason top fifteen in our state, so it's it's looking things are looking bright for the the state of Michigan's college football teams. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and I wanted to just spend a brief moment. I know we don't typically talk Tigers baseball on here, but it is a great day to be a Tigers baseball fan. That's true because the most putrid, astonishingly dumb GM. Al Avila was fired today. That
2: got you, me a little you excited. What are talking about? Jack, the rebuild's over.
0: The rebuild's over.
1: The rebuild's over, well, man.
0: Well, the, the first rebuild's over, I think, but the second one's yeah. the second one's about to start.
1: Yeah, that was the fake rebuild,
0: dude. He, what an idiot. Anyway, all right. I digress. Let's get into some. Let's get into some college football. Obviously, two teams that have a lot of turnover uh going into this year the teams are going to look a lot different um so you know i saw the coaches poll michigan state's at 14 michigan's at six um what did you guys kind of make out of the out of the new ranking uh the new coaches poll. Uh, jp i'll start with you
1: uh i didn't I didn't really get... I didn't take too much from it. Uh, Most of it is shock value from last year. Um, Michigan is obviously ranked number six, mostly because of their successful 2021 season. So, we we, we obviously have to wait and see how things shake out. But um, the the top four teams aren't really too much of a surprise with Georgia, Clemson, Alabama... And Ohio State, I think those are uh, absolutely dynamite teams. I think those have to be the favorites to, to make the college football playoff once again. So it's it, it'll be interesting how things shake out. I didn't get too much from it. But Michigan State, I thought was – I thought Michigan State was accurately ranked and I thought Michigan was a little bit high. Um, but there's a, obviously this is preseason – it's very much subject to change it's really just it's really all speculation at this point and i really feel like they put out this poll just to get people excited and get people talking about about college football which is just a few weeks away so i didn't really take too much from it um i would say michigan is probably a little bit too high just because of how much they lost on defense but naturally they they're going to give a team who made the college football playoff last year respect to a team that is returning their quarterback and a decent amount of their offense so they're not going to give them too much of a bump i thought i thought notre dame at number five was way too high i, I don't really get the crazy uh, the crazy hype that they're getting this year i think they're still gonna have a good team but they not to say that jack Cohn was some sort of superstar but they lost their quarterback, and uh, Tyler Buckner played some some good football, but I didn't really see anything special out of the guy. So, I mean, we'll see. They have a brutal schedule too. First week at Ohio State, so uh, I don't think they're going to be at number five very long. But that that's pretty much my only uh, my only uh, real takeaway. And I thought Utah was too low. I thought Utah should have been top five. I thought Utah should have been number five. I think they're going to be really, really good this year. I think Cameron Rising's a stud, at quarterback, and I think Utah plays really gritty football. So I'm excited to see them this year. But other than that, uh, nothing too much for me.
0: Did you see, trivia question here, did you guys see who the four teams to receive at least one first-place vote were?
2: Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, and Texas. (laughs) Jesus!
0: I wish I knew who the one guy was who voted for Texas to have a first place vote.
2: Whoever he is, he can't he can't ever tell anyone or else he'd be fired. Right? He, Texas is bad guy. He's the one pushing that agenda.
0: Does Mac ever, Brown? Yeah. Does Mac Brown vote? Maybe he he's the reason they were they got a first place vote.
2: I would I would think Mac Brown would hate Texas after the way they ended things.
0: Maybe, but all right. Um. So I guess what would really be, you know, a value here is just kind of talk about the expectations. Um, and PJ, the re- the biggest reason we have you on here is because we know that you're, uh, you're tuned in, con- well-connected to the recruit, the recruiting world with your brother being a recruiting assistant at Michigan State. So, uh, what are, what are kind of the, the things you expect from either, you know, new players this year, either through recruiting, transfer portal, or, you know, some kids that were freshmen and sophomores last year that didn't play a big role that are going to see a lot more playing time this year? Who, who are some of the guys you're looking for to be, you know, X factors for, let's start with Michigan State?
2: Uh, you know, I think Michigan State, some of some of the names are, are kind of ones that we saw a little bit last year. Guys that I just expect to kind of take on a little bit of a bigger role. Um, Chuck Brantley, obviously, is the, the first one that comes to mind. Was that big pick against Michigan last year's game. Uh, you know, I, I'm not sure he'll, he'll get a starting spot just because they did bring in a couple, you know, transfers at the quarterback position, Amir Speed. And then, you know, the year before that, Ronald Williams and Chester Kimbrough. Um, But I think he's definitely in the two deep. I think he sees a lot of playing time, and if there's an injury, he probably works his way into the starting lineup. Um, Beyond that, I think Amir Speed and Chris Bogle are two transfers they brought in, Amir Speed being a cornerback out of Georgia and Bogle being the the D-end out of Florida. Um, I think both those guys are going to start and and probably play a ton of snaps for them next year. Um, Obviously, the pass defense was the worst in the nation, or at least very close to it. Um, so Amir Speed playing there, playing for the Georgia defense last year. Obviously, he's an instant upgrade and honestly can't play much worse than the guys who played last year. Um, and then I think just with the, the pass rushers they lost, um, you know, you look at losing Beasley, losing Hanishuk, um bringing in a guy like Bogle who, who was a little underutilized in Florida, but he's got all the potential in the world. I think he could have a big impact as a pass rusher.
0: Okay. Okay, and then how about on the offensive side? I know we have you know, we have Broussard, we have Berger, um, the wide receiving core. You know, what what are you kind of expecting out of Broussard and Berger? Are you expecting like a one two punch? Are you expecting a a workhorse? What what's kinda your expectation there?
2: At least for now, I I think they're probably gonna gonna split the reps you know kind of whoever's got the hot hand you know maybe there's a matchup problem um you know Berger being a little bit more of a power back for starts they've got a little more speed and uh, quickness to his game if they like a matchup with with you know maybe Berger running people over they might go to go to him a little more but I think at least to start the season it's it's a pretty even split um now maybe one of the two arises and, and kind of takes over the the lion's share of the carries but um, at least to start the year, I think they split pretty evenly. Um, I also think they probably don't carry the ball as much as they did last year. Obviously, Kenneth Walker's gone; you can't trot out 35 carries a game anymore. Um, and you know, Thorne's going into his Redshirt Junior season. I think you you got to put a little bit more of the burden on his shoulders. Uh, so I think uh, I think they probably split carries. Maybe one of them takes the takes the lion's share down the road. If if you were going to have, have me guess, I'd, I'd put my money on Broussard. Uh, but they're both very
0: good backs. Do you think we could see something at State like we saw at Michigan last year with Haskins being the power back and then Corum, you know, being the kind of scat back who gets some carries but is more of a, you know, more of a change-up a change type guy with the more of the speed and the agility and then Hassan being the, uh, you know, the power back? Is that something you you think that could be a possibility if both these guys, like, step up and show that they're both very capable?
2: Uh, it's certainly possible. I think I think we might see kind of like a a light version of that. Um, I'm not sure that they'll they'll ever go as heavy with, you know, kind of the power back as, as Michigan did last year. Uh, the other thing those two guys had working for them, they both had been in that system for a couple of years. They knew the offense very well. Michigan State's two guys obviously don't be in transfers. I think uh, Berger came onto campus in January and Broussard just got here in May. So uh, I think we definitely could see a lighter, you know, kind of mini version of that, but I don't ever think they'll do it to the extent that Michigan did it last year.
0: Well, to be fair, Broussard's played for Mel Tucker, Mel Tucker before.
2: I don't think he ever did. I think he was recruited by Mel Tucker, but I think by the time. Oh, really? Broussard? I knew he was re- playing. Oh. Yeah, I that think by the time sense. he got into the playing group, Tucker was already gone.
0: Midnight Mel?
2: <laughs> yep, Mid- midnight mallette in the night, and Broussard. I uh, was picking up the pieces.
0: Okay, so, and then how about the offensive line? What's kind of your expectation there? Is that do you think we're going to see what we saw last year with the rotating linemen, or do you think there's five guys that kind of solidify themselves? And if you had to guess right now, like what's the offensive line look like this this year, at least at least week one at uh, at what at home against Western?
2: Yeah, so I mean, the, the, the rep I saw the other day from practice uh, was, was Horst at left tackle, uh, Duplain at guard, uh, Somac at center, and then I believe they had Matt Carrick at the other guard spot and Spencer Brown at right tackle. So that would be my guess for who they roll out there with. Um, I mean, I think they feel pretty confident that they have four or five guys who can rotate in in the, the three interior spots. Um, right now, I think they're pretty much relying on two tackles, and to, at least until a couple of the, the younger guys get up to speed. Um, but it's, it's definitely a thin group, at least in the tackle room. I think the interior might be okay, and it'll definitely be a rotation.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, and then, I'm sorry, how about the, uh, the linebacker group? You know, we still have Cal Halliday, but Crouch left. Um, so, what's kind of your what's kind of your expectation there? I'm, I'm assuming you expect Halliday to be to be a starter, but what else? Because they don't they only play two they only play two linebackers.
2: So. Typically, yes, uh, that's kind of the base package that they've been running with since Tucker and Scotty Hazen came to town. Um, i I think they might go away from that a little bit this year. I think that'll still probably be their base package, but I think they're going to run a lot more of. Uh, you know, 4-3, potentially some 3-4. Um, I just think they have too many talented linebackers to, to keep them all off the field. Now, maybe some of them will come into the game as edge rushers. Um, but, you know, Halliday, I expect to play a good amount. And then they also brought in two transfers there, um, Jacoby Windman and Aaron Brule, uh, both of whom have some, some pass rusher experience. So I think they both could play, you know, kind of the traditional linebacker spot as well as kind of a stand-up edge rusher. Um, and then they also brought Barry, Darius Snow down from his safety spot to be a linebacker this year. So that's a, that's a deep group for them. Um, I think they're going to mix and match those guys in a lot. And I think you're going to see a lot of those guys playing a lot of different positions. Um, I think Snow will play a little bit of safety still while playing some linebacker. Um, if you were going to peg me for the week one starters against Western, I'll take Halliday and Jacoby Windman. And Jacoby Windman was a beast last year at UNLV. I just don't think you can keep him off the field. Uh, but I think you see all four of those guys quite a bit.
0: And then who do you think is the starting safety opposite of Xavier Henderson?
2: That's one of the position battles that I think is going to play out over the next couple of weeks here. Uh, if you were going to have me guess today, my guess would be Angelo Gross. Uh, he kind of played the bulk there when, when Snow came out of the game last year. Uh, so I think he's probably first up. I also think he's probably on a pretty short leash. they got some younger safeties, uh, A.J. Kirk, Jaden Mangum, both those guys I think are pretty capable and and could unseat him should he struggle or get hurt.
0: And then do you think there are any freshmen that we see this year playing big roles or do you think this is going to be a mostly veteran-led team?
2: Yeah, there might be a couple that get, get some limited roles. It's tough. A lot of the freshmen that they have that I think are talented enough to play are in some of the deepest groups. Um, Alex Van Sumeren out of Axis, Axisville, Michigan. He's a guy that I think is talented enough to play as a freshman, uh, but he's in that D tackle room, which is probably six guys deep right now that could all play. So he he could get in the mix a little bit, but I'm not sure if it'll be in any meaningful role just because there's so many guys in front of him. Uh, Another guy I think could get on the field is is, uh, Jeremy Bernard, the wide receiver they brought in from Nevada. Um, He's a guy I think could could get in, especially in five wide receiver sets. Uh, If they have any injuries, definitely could be in there. I do think he's behind Keon Coleman, Trey Mosley, and obviously Jalen Reed, Um, potentially Montori Foster as well. But, I definitely think he's he's close enough to playing time that he could see the field a little bit, and if there's an injury, he could see the field a lot.
0: Okay, and then, um, so so you so if you had to pick right now, it sounds like your wide receiver too, is probably is Tra- Trey Mosley still?
2: Yeah, I think I think uh, Trey Mosley might kind of keep uh, that. Safety net wide receiver three year old that he had. I think a lot of the production that we lost with Jalen Naylor will go to Keon Coleman. Um, but I think those are your your playing three: Reed, Coleman, and and Mosley. Um, how many catches each of them get? tough to say, but I think uh, I think Mosley might just kind of be a, a safety blanket type receiver for his whole crew.
1: Okay,
0: yeah, I, that's kind of how I feel too. He's he's just he's just that reliable, you know can catch you a sick can make a nice six to ten yard catch and maybe get it get a yard or two after that but he i just don't see him being like a ever really becoming like a big time playmaker i don't really see that as kind of his you know his forte yeah
2: i 100% agree i mean i think if he was on a you know a a team that wasn't as talented as this one is you know make say like an illinois uh, he's probably a guy who's the wide receiver one and, and he's super impressive um, but I just think there's more dynamic players ahead of him and, and he's, he's going to get a share and he's going to be a decent player but I just think he's he's constantly probably going to be the third most explosive wide receiver in the offense so
1: yeah.
0: Alright well JP if it is your turn Let's. Uh, what questions do you have about your uh, boys in the Maize and Blue? For Mr. Recruit. Well,
1: here. I, uh, Mr. Mr. Recruit, yes. I mean that was a uh, exquisite analysis, to say the least. He's getting some some great inside tips there. The uh, Michigan State has a, has, a, has quite a bit of turnover, so I am really excited to see how things shake out in the first few weeks for them. I know they are. Uh, – I, I believe they they play Washington in the uh, in the non-conference, so that'll be an interesting test. Is that a home or away game? Away. That's a way they go to Seattle. Yeah. So that that'll be an interesting test for them. I know Washington isn't the same team they were five, six years ago, but still a formidable foe. Um, I I am. I am excited to see what what Michigan State does. Obviously, returning uh, Jane Reed and Payne Thorne, so two of their key contributors to last year's great success.
0: Yeah. It's going to be. did you know they went to high school together?
1: No, I did not know that, but do you know who played Little League together and grew up together?
0: I think it was this guy
1: Clayton Kershaw and this other guy named Matt Stafford.
0: Oh, I know those guys. Uh,
1: one of them is a pitcher for the Angels and the other plays Dodgers. for the Los Angeles Chargers, I believe. <laughs> um, but yes, they're uh they're, they're two they're two they're two great friends from Texas. But anyway, um I digress. The uh it should be. It's going to be really interesting to see how Michigan State decides to, or, or how Mel Tucker really is going to uh, play their running back tandem, and how they're going to replicate the production of Kenneth Walker, which one person is not going to be able to do. He was arguably the most explosive and impactful player in all of college football last season. Uh, he he was an absolute beast on the field. So it's going to be it's going to be tough to replicate that production. It's going to take more than one person. So. Uh, Jalen Berger, from from what I've seen when when he played for Wisconsin, was, I mean, Wisconsin runs a slow ground and pound offense, so they don't really open up the field too much, and he's more of a ground. He's more of a a, uh, a heavy hitter from the running back position, and he likes to initiate contact. But Michigan State's offense last year was was more of a run and gun offense, so we'll see how that translates. But I guess my uh my my main. My main questions for, for P.J. with regards to Michigan, the offense is pretty much set. Uh, not a whole lot of turnover, a little bit on the offensive line, but other than that, and losing Kasan Haskins is tough, but other than that, this team is pretty much the same on offense. Uh, they lost their center, but they're returning, uh, or they got a transfer from Virginia, uh, Victor Olawutini, I believe it's pronounced, and he was, I think he finished second to Tyler Linderbaum for the center of the year, so a uh, big pickup there and then everyone else um, they have they have a replacement for on the line. but defense I mean who do you who, who do you think are, are some sleepers for Michigan this year to to kind of to, to take a to take a big role and, and make some impactful plays on the defense end
2: oh man that, I don't know if he's a sleeper anymore because I've been seeing a lot of a lot of hype for him this offseason but
1: I love Mozzie
2: Smith I
1: think Monty oh, Smith yes. is, uh, uh, but it's Bruce. Sorry to cut you off, but I believe Bruce told had it as like the, the top of his freaks list or whatever. Yeah. He puts that every year. The athletics freaks list. Yeah. Um, I just saw that today. Name recognition. Yeah. 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 I, sorry. I,
2: Conti- please continue. No, no, absolutely. You're fine. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, he's, he's number one for me. I don't know if he counts anymore. It seems like everyone's kind of calling on to that very poorly kept secret. Um, I also think the, you know, the, the defensive backfield got a lot better. Uh, I think DJ Turner stepping into a little bit bigger role is going to be big for them. I really like DJ Turner. Uh, same thing with RJ Moton. Um, I mean, I don't know if all those guys were around last year, but I mean, they're going to need to do more with the x Hill, Vincent Gray, those guys kind of moving on. So, uh, I think that defensive backfield will, will kind of make or break that defense this year.
1: That's, that's I, I completely agree. And they they R J Moon and and D J Turner did get a lot of, of playing time last year, but they were able to they were they were they didn't have as much responsibility as they're nearly as much as they're going to have this year because the the senior and junior leadership of of Dax Hill and Vincent Gray who. Vincent Gray has gotten a lot of slack from from Michigan fans. He had a rough couple years, to say the least, but he he actually did do too terribly last year. And then Dax Hill was um, a top, you know, an early second-round pick and an athletic freak. So losing them is going to be tough, but they do return uh, the green, Jamon Green, uh, DJ Turner, like you said, uh, RJ Moan, and then defensive line is where it's – I mean the defensive backfield losing Dax Hill is tough, but I don't think they'll replacing Vincent Gray is gonna be that big of an issue. So I think defensive line, Mozzie Smith is gonna be big, but losing Aiden Hutchinson and and Ajabo uh, are, are gonna to be tough replacements. Do you uh do you, do you see anyone else stepping up on that offensive line or is it really just gonna be uh gonna be Mozzie Smith and everyone else is just gonna <laughs> have
2: to fend I mean- themselves really? i think i think mozzie smith is is of the caliber that it's going to be mozzie smith and everyone else that's not a knock on everyone else that's just how good he is um i think mike morris steps up he does a ton this year um you know obviously you're never going to replace with what, what hutchinson or java gave you but i think he can be solid there uh, i think Jalen harrell's a good player um i'm not sure he's going to be a a force past rushing the way O'Java and Hutchinson were, but I think he can he can be solid in his run responsibility, and and he can get after the quarterback a little bit, especially if if Mike Morris starts to, Mike Morris and Mozzie Smith start to eat up some of these doubles that I expect uh, offensive lines are going to throw at them.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, I, I I completely agree. So it's it's going to be really interesting to see. It's uh, sort of like how Michigan State is going to have to find a way. It's going to have to be a group effort to replace the. The production of Kenneth Walker, in Michigan, on the flip side is going to have to find a way. And it's going to be a real group effort to replace the the sack production from Ojabo and Hutchinson, two of the, the leading sack, uh, two, two of the leading, the uh, they lead the, the statistical category for sacks for, in a single season for the University of Michigan. So it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to replace a production like that, especially with not a whole lot of experience. So. We'll, we'll see how yeah. both those teams go out. They'll go out and, uh, and go about that. It's going to be it's going to be interesting. But Michigan has a bit of a joke cupcake schedule to start the year, and Michigan State's getting kind of thrown right in the fire. Western is no joke. I mean, they always put up a tough fight. I, I mean, I don't see Michigan State having much of a problem. But going to Washington is, is never an easy game. So Michigan State, we're going to get to we're, we're going to get to see what their their real plan is right pretty much from the get go so I'm, I'm pretty excited for that game
2: oh yeah and i i think the two schools kind of it's funny kind of mirror each other in a way um, you know michigan their defense kind of lost i think six of their starters
1: and retained yeah, most of their I offense I believe that's correct i believe they did lose it was either six or seven depending on if you depending on if you counted uh Jamon Green as a starter, which I I don't. So it'd probably be about six. And then yeah, on the offensive on the offensive end, they lost Hassan Haskins counts. So they lost four starters, four starters, running back, and then three offensive linemen. Yeah, and yeah, and Michigan and, they went State, to Michigan, to a and play, Michigan one of those. So, and but Michigan State is retaining a lot of their defense, if, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Correct. I think they've got nine
2: defensive starters returning and then only five on offense. So they're kind of the, the mirror opposite of, of what Michigan's got, where where the defense is going to be back and, and the offense kind of got ripped apart. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm not sure they want their defense back, given how bad it was last
1: year, but uh, that's well, the I was going to say, so. say losing some of their offensive line members not might not be the worst thing in the world. Um, I mean, Kenneth Walker saved their behinds uh, numerous times, I felt like, last year. I just – they there were some games that were good, but in the games that um, – in the games that they ended up losing, they did not give Peyton a whole lot of time. Thankfully, he's mobile, so um, – but the defense, like like you said, was, was an issue, especially the secondary, so um, I think another year, another year under Mel Tucker, another year under the scheme – And and just a year to get stronger and get faster is going to do is going to do wonders for them because last year was a bit of a disaster for the secondary. But um, you know, there's nowhere to go from up. Basically, there's nowhere to go but up. Basically, so I think I think you're going to see some leaps and bounds improvement because uh, I don't think Mel Tucker was particularly pleased with their performance last year.
2: No,
1: (laughs) no, definitely not. That's probably why he took over the cornerback room. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's 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 going to be it's it's after that Ohio State game. There's you know that's a game like that. You know, there's going to be some some long tough conversations and there's going to be it's gut check time basically. And they but they played a lot better. I mean they did you know they 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 you know, or controlling and, and stopping Jahan Dotson is no no joke, and he still got his, but they did relatively well against him and. I don't really remember Jordan Addison going too crazy in the bowl game. So, um, I mean, some of that could be because it was a third string, you know, third string quarterback and the guy was not particularly good. But still, they weren't like, you know, they weren't as bad as they were against Ohio State. I feel like they did make some marginal improvements to end the year.
0: I mean, if I'm I agree. thinking back to last season, it's not really the Ohio State game that makes me mad. It's the Purdue game. Like, that game makes me way more upset. Like, they they got beat by 3 of the 5 best receivers in the country. Fine. That's I can live with that. But like you're losing to David Bell and nobody when you play against Purdue. Yep. And David Bell went for like like 220 yards. Like you need to you need to be able if if a team has one guy and nobody else, you need to be able to stop that and account for him. You can't be giving up 220 yards to one guy. But anyway, so the, something I wanted to talk to both of you guys about is the, that receiver room at in Ann Arbor. Do you think like like in my mind, I expect that wide that wide receiving group to be way better than it was last year. Like they're returning like Anthony, Samer, Still Johnson are all good receivers and you bring in Ron, now Ronnie Bell's back like is that is that you know I don't know if elite is the right term but is that a you know fairly competitive almost I mean above average top 20 receiving group in the country at this point or is that yeah your... so I I guess
1: I'll kick it off uh, so Sandra still actually has moved to Nickelback, he actually moved to defense. Um, just because of the. I mean, stacked isn't the right word because I don't find any of these players to be particularly exceptional, but uh, a crowded wide receiver room. So he ended up moving to defense where he's been doing, reports out of camp, he's been doing pretty well. But I, I think this could be a top 25 group. I mean,. Roman Wilson, Cornelius Johnson, and Ronnie Bell are going to be the top three, and Andrew Anthony is, is still young, but he's going to find his way in there. He's going to get his, he's going to get his playing time. So, I think there's, I think there's definitely going to be improvement. Ronnie Bell was the most talented receiver last year, and tore ACL in game one, so losing him hurts or hurt it, but or um, he, he's uh, losing him hurt, but. There's there's a lot of time left, and I think that uh, I think that he's going to be able to make a real mark on his college career because as of right now, the, the, the memory of him is uh, is the Penn State game where Michigan was down 21, and he had a chance to catch the, the ball and pour it down in the end zone, tie the game, and uh, he, he dropped it, went right through his hands. So, <laughs> and then some 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 kid sent him an email on his UMish email, telling him to like quit football and like leave and never come back. <laughs> <laughs> Which was not good, uh, not a good look for the university. So losing him hurt last year, but uh, it's it's going to be it's going to be a good receiver room. There's a lot of experience, and Cade has has pretty good connections with them. So I expect them to be better than last year. I don't I don't think they're going to be world beaters. I mean, nobody's to the caliber of a, of a Jade Reed uh, or a Jordan Addison or who you know someone who I would. Both of those who I would put, both those players, I'd put in the top five college receivers uh, coming into this year. I don't think Michigan has anybody in the top fifteen, in my opinion. But Ronnie Bell was the best receiver last year. Depending on how healthy he is, he's could be. He's probably going to be the best receiver this year. So we'll see. But I wouldn't. As if I was a Michigan State fan, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shivering in my boots about this wide receiver room.
0: Well, so do you? Then, based on what you said, do you think Cade is the starter all year again?
1: I can't say about all year. Uh, there's a there's a lot of football to be played. There's a lot that could happen, but I would. He's definitely gonna. He's gonna be taking the first snap. That I can get. Unless something crazy happens in camp, unless he gets hurt, basically, he'll be taking the first snap. That for that I'm certain. For everything I'm hearing out of everything I'm hearing out of camp, all all my inside sources. As you can call him, telling me that it's it's going to be Cade week one snap one. He's getting the first snap. He's going the first drive. I mean, he beat he led the team to beat Ohio State for the first time in damn near a decade. First Big Ten championship in almost two decades. Uh, can you really take the starting gig away from him? I mean, it's I know J and JJ was also been hurt for a lot of camp. He hurt his shoulder. He's back healthy now, but still. Unless something crazy happens, yeah, I think Cade's going to start Week One, and it's going to be his—it's
0: his job to lose. I—I—I've been saying this forever, but I just don't—I just—I see them as a way more threatening opponent with JJ starting than than Cade starting. But yeah, hey, I mean that's—I'm not getting four million dollars to pay to to coach college football, so yeah, I mean
1: I, I. I think the ceiling is definitely higher with J.J., but the floor is very is much higher with Cade. Jim Harbaugh has shown through his time at Michigan and really just his time. Um, actually, well, I mean, he did make the Colin Kaepernick for Alex Smith switch, but still, at least admit, at, at Michigan, he's shown that he's preferred the, the high-floor guy to the high-ceiling guy. So we'll see how things shake out, but... Um, i don't know if you had anything else on the on the docket jack but i was uh i was interested to hear what your guys we, we could go for michigan too but for michigan say what the uh what what would you guys say for for the season best case worst case and 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 what really your season prediction is just well, we're getting so close i'm i'm starting to get excited i want to hear what you guys think
0: pj do you want to go first or you want me to
1: Oh, I guess I can go first.
2: Um, we're just doing this for Michigan State, or, or you want both? You or? can
1: No, 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 but both if both, both of you don't mind. But I know you're um, – I'll, g- I'll give you both. I believe PJ, You're. I believe, PJ, you're a Michigan State guy, um, so uh, – I mean, I, my father
2: would disown me if I said anything else, so I, I'm
1: it's okay, familiar, yeah, that's, familiar that's I, what, to say That's that. what I thought. I mean, you're friends with Jack, so you're obviously not a Michigan guy, so – Right,
0: yeah, um, yeah. You know, he would just I'm a very, so. I'm a very open-minded individual. I have plenty of friends that root, root for that that team down the road.
1: Well, that's true, Gary. We got
0: Gary, we Gary, got Gary and Brent. Gary, he he really doesn't care to be honest. He's kind of neutral to he both. About his, he
1: just cares. He just cares about. He just cares about good
0: food. Yeah, he cares, he
1: cares about, about good food. <laughs> he cares about good food, and he cares about his what is he Tottenham? He cares about his Tottenham.
0: His yeah, he cares about his Hot Spurs. Yeah.
1: As well as but yeah, PJ, go ahead. What are your uh, I guess my question would be what are your best case, you know, worst case within reason and then kind of where you where you see the season going for Michigan State. You don't need to necessarily give a record prediction, but just kind of where you you know where where you think it's going. Yeah, well I mean we'll we'll start off hot with the with the best case
2: scenario. I I mean I it's gonna sound crazy, but I firmly believe if everything falls right, they could they go twelve and they could win every single game, including Ohio State.
0: Um, I think Jeez, worst case. JJ. Wow, you can't just go into worst hey, case. No. You got to say why. You could if you're saying they can hey, go 12 I'm, and 0. You got to say why.
2: I'm uh, I'm not predicting that. I think that's you know all the pieces fall right. Everything happens the way you need it to. Um, I think the most likely outcome for them is they're somewhere in the nine and three, ten and two range. But. Uh, you know they got about four 50-50 games on their schedule, and if all four of those fall their way, twelve and them is not off the table.
0: I mean, I'm not I'm not going to call Ohio State a fifty fifty game. That's no like no absolutely. 20 game. Not. If that yeah
2: if yeah that. I agree with that. I agree with that, but uh, I think the the other four fall in your way, and then you know maybe you get a couple injuries at Ohio State. Maybe you get you do get them at home too. This is the first. Ohio State's got a really soft schedule. The first seven weeks, they don't play on the road until they come up to East Lansing. I mean, I, I, again, I'm not. I wouldn't predict it to happen, but I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility that they're they're walking in here, swagger up, and and they get punched in the mouth and so they never get back up.
0: I mean, I'm sure Mel's gonna remind them of what happened last year. Like
2: absolutely, like only gonna
0: be fuel fire. That's one of the things he does best. Is it seems like motivation, motivating his players, is not something he struggles to do. So, I'm sure the the team will be very aware that they lost forty nine to seven last year. I'm sure that that will be something they that is very, very highly discussed in that uh, in that locker room.
2: He's he's very open too. He he expects to win every week, you know. So he's not gonna he's not gonna walk into that with anything. But you're gonna go out there and you're gonna win. So uh, I don't think it'll happen. I think they probably go ten and two, um, with losses to Ohio State and Michigan. But I think Ohio State is is set up for a little bit of a trap game there if they're not careful.
0: Okay. All right. And then how about worst case?
2: worst case I like I said I think it's probably losing to Ohio State and then you lose three of those four 50 50 games you got um, that put you at eight four
0: okay I so beyond just saying you know things don't go your way what do you think could happen or if it did happen what would be the reason that it happened if they ended up going you know eight and four if or even worse seven and five?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, I think think you got a number one pass defense doesn't get any better. That happens. I mean, you got away with it for one year. You're not getting away with it for a second year. Michigan's going to throw all over you. Ohio State's going to throw all over you. Penn State's going to throw all over you. And you're you're not going to have Kenneth Walker to bail you out on offense. So, I mean, I think that's first and foremost. I think they're also super vulnerable with their depth at the offensive line. I think the starting group's really, really good, but if they get an injury or two, that group's in, in big, big trouble. Uh, so especially if they get an early injury, I think uh, I think that could be another thing that could beat those those four or five losses.
0: All right, all right, fair enough. Um, if I had to say what I think best case scenario is, you know, I think it would just be a repeat of last season. Without losing the Purdue game, I think you know going 12 and 1. I just don't. I don't see the possibility of them beating Ohio State and everybody else. I mean, even if they did beat Ohio State, I think you know they have Wisconsin, then the bye, then Michigan. Um, you know that's a that's gonna be a really difficult, a really difficult October, and. Yeah, you know, I just don't. I don't see the possibility of them coming out of that, you know, undefeated. Um, if if everything goes right, I think the reason would be you get you see Keon Coleman take a big step, be a very solid to elite wide receiver too. I think you see Broussard and Berger be a great tandem together and I think if if the, everything's gonna go right Peyton Thorne has to take a big step forward like I understand he was good last year but you know he had he had a couple games where you know he just kind of no showed I mean the the Indiana game comes to mind the Nebraska game comes to mind the Michigan game comes to mind you know it there's that's too the first many. three quarters of the pit game. The first three quarters of the pick game, I mean, you can't, you, I'm not even going to mention the Ohio State game, but, like, because I, I just don't blame him for that, but you you can't no-show that, like, that. you can't be that inconsistent and be, you know, you can't be a leader on the team when you're that inconsistent. Um, I think he was named third team all Big Ten at quarterback, is that right? I think it was Stroud's first team, and then I think O'Donnell was, was second team. Um, but yeah, he, I think he needs to. I think he needs to take a big step and be, you know, a, maybe not elite college quarterback, but he need. I mean, top twenty, top twenty-five at least college quarterback. Um, and you know, if we see, like. Like, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't know a ton about Amir's speed. I haven't, I haven't watched a lot of tape on him. Like, PJ, what, what percentage upgrade do you see him being at over, like, Chester Kimbrough?
2: Over Chester Kimbrough, huge. I mean, I think Kimbrough being 5'8", 5'9", whatever he is, just got exposed last year playing against those bigger outside wide receivers. Um, I think they're going to move him into the slot this year. Which I think he'll have a lot more success, just because typically you get a, a smaller receiver, you're closer than quarterback, um, all those kinds of things. Um, I mean, over a guy like Ronald Williams or, or even like a, you know a Chuck Brantley or a Marquis Lowry, I think he's a he's he's still a pretty significant improvement. Uh, I mean, the, the biggest thing with him is is he's six three, I think, like one ninety, so he's he's really big for a corner, and he allegedly doesn't lose any speed over that. Um, I mean, obviously. Michigan State fans haven't really seen him, and, and the three games he played for Georgia last year were against cupcake opponents, um, but but if he's fast, as fast as people say he is, I mean, a guy that size who runs that well is is, is an elite cornerback in the big time.
0: Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, Mel is obviously a defense a defensive guy. That's where he made his money in the NFL, and with working with coaches like Saban and Kirby Smart, but you know, I just, I have to see it, I have to see it play out on the field that way before I really get excited about what he's bringing to the table. It's it's just, it's hard for me to say that anything above 12 and 1 is, and even, even, I don't even think 12 and 1 is really, I wouldn't even I don't know if I'd even say that that's I, I guess it's possible, but it's it's very unlikely. Um, I guess worst case scenario. I I I don't think they're a team that is susceptible. And I think this is true for Michigan too. I don't think they're that susceptible to lose to teams that are that a lot worse than they are. Like I think when they lost to Purdue last year, they just the the talent was kind of similar. I mean State I think is better, but the the talent is wasn't was obviously I don't think Purdue is that much worse than them and I don't see them losing like I think they're everyone seems to be on the Maryland train this year I don't think Maryland is gonna be too tough of a test I don't think I I have to see it to believe before I believe it with Minnesota to believe that they're a formidable foe so I'm really like if I'm circling the games on the schedule it's it's Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State. And I don't see I don't I mean it's possible. I don't see it as being very likely that one they lose all four of those games and then beyond that they lose more than one game in the rest of their schedule. So I think 8 and 4 is probably the worst case scenario. And if that happens, it's going to be Peyton Thorne is is the same exact guy he was last year. The running back the running back isn't there like it was last year, which it's not going to be, but if he can't rely on his run game at all, then there's gonna be some problems there and um if the if the O line isn't protecting him, you know, obviously that is not something I don't think he's good enough to overcome not being well protected and then the same thing like you said, we just don't see the pass defense get much better. Um so yeah, that's kind of where I would stand with that on the worst case. On the worst case scenario at least.
2: What what do you think's most what's the most likely outcome?
0: I think the most likely outcome is that they go Mm, I'm gonna say nine and three. If I had to pick their their record right now, I would say it's nine and three. Actually, no, I'll say ten and two. Because okay, I
2: mean, I think okay. we're we're pretty close here. Then yeah, I mean, okay, you guys are giving close. that one extra win, but otherwise, I think we're we're pretty much in line with each other here.
0: Yeah, yeah,
2: I, I
1: yeah. Oh, go
0: ahead, Jack. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was just gonna say that I um that I am. I'm pretty much in line with Jack. I think that uh, that worst case for Michigan State is the defense just doesn't really get that much better, and they find it very, I mean, like, like we've all talked about, you're not going to be able to totally replicate the production of, of Kenneth Walker. So, uh, I think worst case is defense doesn't get any better, and then they just, the two running back transfers are total duds. Um, and teams are just able to 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 play against the pass, and the run the run offense is just completely ineffective. And they're just one two one dimensional, and they end up going you know eight and four, seven and five, eight and four in, in in worst case scenario. But I don't see that happening. I think baltucker Tucker is a good coach. I think Peyton Thorne and Jane Reed are too good of a tandem. And I I just don't think the, I don't think the Big Ten is like that incredible this year either. I think Penn State could possibly have a down year. I think Wisconsin is, might have another down year. So I see Michigan State most likely in that 9-3, to 10-2 range. Um, and then best-case scenario, uh, I'm right with Jack. I think beating Michigan and Ohio State would be a dream season. Um, and I'm not saying it's impossible, but I just – it would be – it would be very, very, very impressive. So I, I just don't, you know. Best case, I think, is 11 and one, and depending on how the rest of the games shake out, they could possibly be vying for a college football playoff spot or at least a spot in the Big Ten championship, depending on what Ohio State does in other games and whether that one loss is. To, I don't want to say they're, you know, the one loss is going to be to Ohio State, or the one loss is going to be to Michigan, but I just see beating both those teams is.
0: I will would be say. A very,
1: very big ask.
0: I will say, PJ made some good points about why they could beat Ohio State. And that was... You know, he did. What he said is not some things that I had really considered. And I I also will say, if they do beat Ohio State, I think it would be very unlikely that they lose to Michigan. Because they're at the point where if they do that, they probably have won every other game. So if they beat Ohio State, I don't like... Like they're already motivated enough for Michigan, but now you have yeah, a chance at the I, playoff I, on the line. I mean, I don't see them letting little brother take away their perfect season. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I mean, the little brother did that last season for one team, so you know, I guess you never know. So, but it's uh, it's I don't know, I just. Beating both teams would be tough. Beating both teams would be tough.
0: It would, but they they also and Michigan does too. But they have a bye before that week, so they they have... do,
1: which is huge, which is huge. So uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see, but I, I I think that you know most likely Michigan State is going to be that nine to three, ten and two range, and if they go ten and two, they'll be back in a year six bowl. I just I just don't see anyone beating Ohio State this year.
0: Yeah. I, I think that they're, no and we're in agreement and I think I think really the nine and three ten and two difference just comes down to Michigan I think if they beat Michigan yeah. they are 10 and two if they lose to Michigan they're nine and three
1: I I agree their schedule is definitely tougher than Michigan's but I I guess you know transitioning into what we think about Michigan I'm I'm pretty much in the same boat as I said about Michigan State um, I don't I don't see you know best case scenario I would say they are able to beat Ohio State. I don't think they go undefeated, but they lose one other game and then they beat, beat Ohio State. So going eleven and one, being Ohio State, and possibly another Big Ten championship. But um, uh, sorry, JP, mo- let me
0: let me interrupt you one more time. Just if they beat Ohio State, just think about what that means for how good that team has come together. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, but that's yeah, but like just what happened last year. They lost to Michigan State on the road, and then they then they 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 absolutely pounded Ohio state and Ohio state beat Michigan state by 100 so you just you just never know what could happen on a given week i
0: like, get that but you know, i just don't see michigan state with how they treat that game i don't see them michigan being the team that would take it away from michigan state
1: uh, Well, you never really know you i if i asked if i if i asked you last year that you see michigan state
0: would be no, but there's undefeated. precedent. There's precedent. Saying, would Purdue be the team, would
1: Purdue be the team to to knock them off the undefeated
0: path? Well, that's what it I'm mean, saying. I think say I yes. think a lesser team, like if they're if they're beating like that's what I'm saying. I think Ohio State. If they beat Ohio State, they're not going to lose to Michigan. Now, if you told me they're going to lose to you know Maryland the the next week, then I would say you know what that that would make sense, a trap game. But Michigan's not a trap game. They get Michigan State yeah. gets up for Michigan. They're not. They there's no, there's no world where Michigan State would take the Michigan game lightly. And I
1: mean, I'm not saying they would take it lightly. Just because you don't take a game lightly doesn't mean you can't. You're, just because you get up for a game and don't take it lightly doesn't mean you can't lose, even but, if you're the better team.
0: Right, but I'm just like you
1: think. Like Michigan definitely didn't take Michigan State lightly last year. And they still lost. I mean, I doubt Michigan State took Ohio State lightly, lightly, lightly and they lost.
0: <laughs> yeah, that, uh, they did. But, just...
1: but I'm. I, I think Jack's point here
2: might be: you're not going to lose to an inferior team unless you you walk in there,
1: kind of sleep, and kind of you know, half yes, prepared. Yes, that's... I guess I. I, I guess I, I see what you're saying, but I, I'm just of the mindset that. Like last year, like I believe Georgia was a Georgia was a superior team, top to bottom, in Alabama, and I really doubt they walked and in sleepwalk into the SEC championship game. Really? And they, I disagree. They never beat them. There's no way they slept into a game like that, or like took them like, oh, it's just Al- oh, it's just Alabama. No, I just there's no think way we lose that.
0: I just don't think they cared about winning the SEC championship that much. So, like at that point, they were they were undefeated. They were clearly, they were clearly the best team in the country. There's no way they were losing. They were they were missing the playoff. I don't think it was important to Georgia to really win that game. Like their thought, I think their thought process is we're in the playoff either way. Why would we show our hand? Give ev- pull every trick out of the book. All right. Like I just don't think Georgia was. I think that their end goal was to win the national championship. I don't think their end goal was to win the SEC championship. I just don't think at that point it was important to them.
1: I, I, I disagree. I, I think it was very important to them because, first of all, if they beat – they never beat Alabama. They, that's like their – that was their big taboo. That was their big nemesis. That that's the team. That was the Goliath they couldn't slay. And if they beat Alabama, Alabama doesn't make the playoff. Okay, but it, think about but that. so that, that's their only chance to beat Alabama. Okay, but then they, think they, about they their to...
0: think about their mentality if they had given it everything they got in the SEC championship and then I lost. Mean,
1: how how can you how can you how can you know that they didn't give it everything they had? because you just because you win or lose isn't just okay, you can no, this play I'm a crap game now. and come and sleepwalking and still win. This what or you what can saying, on the though. flip side you
0: can... if they if they had given everything they had in the SEC championship and they got slayed by, you know, King Saban again, do you really think they would have come out and been able to beat down on Alabama like they did in the championship? Like they blew them out. Like I think I think there's an aspect to where they're like, okay, they think they can still beat us but we'll they might have beaten us then. We we're here now, and this is when it matters, not then. Like I don't think I just I don't think I would bet that the effort level in the Georgia game or in the national championship was higher than the and then the playoff game or than the uh. championship game. I'm sorry, the SEC championship.
1: I mean, I don't I don't I think the focus might have been I think the focus might have been higher. I don't feel like. Like effort-wise, I don't feel like it would change, but I feel like the focus and the maybe the maybe you could say the intensity—I don't know—I I, I don't think that's the case. I just think that they, I just think that they they already had a chip on their shoulder, and then they had the benefit of already playing this team, and they had a full game of film, and I think that uh, I, I just think that. Georgia's too good of a program. I think they're too well coached that they were not going to get they were not going get embarrassed on national TV again. And their and their defense was just so good. Yeah. So well, I guess we'll just have to agree to, we'll agree to disagree on this no, one. We gotta, no we way we to prove
0: something. either of us are right or wrong. So
1: that's true. This is a completely this is a completely subjective argument. But yeah, that's so,
0: just, That's just that goes to my point of why I don't think. Like, if, if they beat Ohio State, that means a couple of things. One, they're most likely undefeated. Two, this team has come together in a way that makes them an elite team, like a top three, top four team. I don't think, I just don't believe in my heart that if Michigan State was undefeated and in the top four or five, Michigan would be the team to beat them. That's just, that's just how I feel. And that's just that's just what I think. I just don't think they would let Michigan be the team that would beat them. That's just...
2: That's All right. No, that's, un- Jay, that's understandable. Jay, what do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much with you. If, if this scenario played out where they beat Ohio State, they're undefeated, I mean, I got to think that will catapult them into at least the top five. Um, I'd be more worried about Wisconsin. I mean they, they, they showed last year they're susceptible to hangovers after after big wins. Um, I, I think especially coming off a bye, if if they're as good as, as they would need to be to, to be at that point, they're not gonna lose to Michigan. Now they might lose to Wisconsin and then kinda that'll kinda take the win to other sales and then they might lose to Michigan, follow that up, but I, I think if they're they're undefeated going to the Michigan game, they already have wins over Ohio State and Wisconsin. I think they're probably taking that game too.
0: Yeah, that's that's how I feel. Like, I think I think the swagger that would that would be coming with a win against Ohio State. Like, I just I think I think when they those two teams play each other, I just I, it's what I've seen my whole my whole adult life. It's all I remember is Michigan choking in the big spot and Michigan State, you know, playing their best. So I would have to assume that that's. What would play out given that scenario?
2: in the, in the years right. too, that Michigan State doesn't win, they're they're clearly inferior teams. Right. To well, I, I saw, mean, if they're if they're this good, they're not going to be inferior.
0: Well, I saw a stat, and I think I brought it up last year. In years that Michigan State goes above five hundred, I think they're something like twenty-seven and four against Michigan. Like when they're good, they don't lose to Michigan, regardless of how good Michigan is. They just don't lose to them when they're good, so that's just kind of how I feel.
1: But. no, that's fair. That's that, that's a fair point. we we'll agree to disagree on that one. But um, I don't. Uh, yeah, I guess going back to it, you know, we're, and then worse of my, I was, I think I was getting into my worst case for Michigan. Worst case scenario, uh, the QB conundrum takes center stage. They flip flop. Nobody wins the starting job. It turns into a disaster, and then um, we end up with uh, we we end up with just a QB carousel all season long. And Michigan ends up in that eight, eight and four, nine and three range. So sort, of, sort of like Michigan yeah. State has their worst case scenario. Yeah. So, and Michigan's schedule is way easier. So I would say probably nine and three is worst case, just because a lot of their games, like nine and three, would. Mean that they lose to say Michigan State, Ohio State, and then Iowa, or the home against Penn State, because the rest of their schedule is just against joke teams. That even if they have a, a disastrous year, they probably still don't lose to.
0: Yeah, and I will. So. I will admit, with with when it comes to Harbaugh and Cade and McCarthy, there's a big risk in pulling Cade, especially if you start Cade. Like if Cade starts the season. And then you say you flip the script, you know, four games in or whatever. If you flip the script and say, okay, you know what, it's just not working anymore. JJ's our guy now, and then JJ flops. It's very tough to go back to Kate. Like that is is. that is very tough to do. Would
2: Kate even be there still? I gotta think if you pull if, if you pull the plug on Kate, say week five.
1: I mean, he's gone, right? He's transferring. What's high probably high not mid season. Probably not not mid season.
0: Yeah, I, d- I agree. I don't think mid season would be I don't think a midseason transfer would be something that's in the cards for them.
1: But once you but yes, you're correct. Once you the second you make that switch full time to JJ, you you Kate is Kate is done. He's he's done at this university. It's 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 boom or bust. It's JJ's taking you to the promised land, he's taking you to the Big Ten Championship, taking you back to the playoffs. Winning you a playoff game, or he turns into a failure and the season goes down in flames. You can't go to JJ full time and then go back to Kane. That just that just can't happen. But that's that's really all I got. I don't know if you guys wanna you guys got any more thoughts on what you think about Michigan's upcoming season. But that, that's all I got.
0: Well, I would say I would say you know when you lose two of the best edge rushers in the country, you know you're you've got to be worried about what you're going to on that on that edge. Um and you know, obviously, they have some guys and they've been recruiting, but you know, it's it's hard, it's hard to fill those shoes. and if there's a major step back there, I can see that being something that hurts Michigan. at least when they're playing those higher caliber opponents like like you mentioned, but you know, I don't think it's something that is gonna hurt them against Rutgers, but you know, that could be something that, that gets in their way of being you know as good as they were last year when you're talking about a team like you know playing against Ohio State or something like that that would at least I mean it would at least be on my mind it would be something I'd be thinking about and something that I would be you know at least nervous about if I was a Michigan fan yeah No, that
1: that, that makes sense that makes sense. But, uh,
0: then what's your, I did you say your best case scenario for them? I don't think you did.
1: Well, best case is, best case is they go undefeated. Best case is undefeated in Big Ten championship. That's, that's like best case, like dream scenario. But, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't see that happening, you know, even though it's, it is possible just because their schedule is kind of a joke. You know, their hardest games are Michigan State, but that's at home, and then, Ohio State, so you know they get dream best case scenario. They get lucky. Ohio State plays a dud of a game because winning in the horseshoe is damn near impossible. So that's why I, I hesitate to call it best case because because I really don't think there's any chance that it happens. But I mean, there's you know if if eleven and one is I don't want to say likely, but you know if they beat Michigan State, it's probable. Then I you know that that's the only place to go. That's the only upward movement that there is. So, but I just don't, I just don't see them. I just don't see them being last. I just don't think there's any way. So, eleven and so
0: one, pissed. only losing to Ohio State. Assuming Ohio, Ohio State is who we think they are. So, say Ohio State goes undefeated. Michigan's only loss is to Ohio State. Does that make Michigan another a playoff team again, or do you think they fall just short?
1: 100 percent depends on what happens with the rest of college football depends if Clemson is who people think they are. If Clemson has another dud of a season and nobody from the ACC is in playoff contention, that leaves the door open. What does USC do? How do they do in their first year under Lincoln-Riley? Are they going to make a a sneak peek at at a possible playoff? What about Utah? How do they do in the Pac-12? They win the Pac-12 championship. Uh, The SEC, does Georgia have a letdown season after their first championship? I'm going to have to assume Alabama's going to be back in the playoff. I don't even want to say a scenario where they're not, they probably will be. It's Alabama. I mean, is there another team from the SEC who's going to have some kind of miracle year? It, it just really depends. I mean, 11-1 is going to push you in the conversation, but not winning a Big Ten championship, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. It's going to depend on what, you know, I don't want it, the Big 12... Oklahoma's gonna have it. I don't think they're gonna have any chance. I mean, well, Texas. What would your
0: gut instinct be? No. PJ? no I
1: don't think they get the ball. I, I tend to agree.
2: I think the ACC champ this year is probably getting in. Give me two SEC teams again, and then you probably
1: take Ohio State. Uh, I, I think mean, you definitely. Where I guess where sorry to cut you off, PJ, but where where would get interesting is if Ohio State somehow loses to. Wisconsin or something in the Big Ten Championship.
2: Agreed. Or, or in a scenario where maybe you have like a three-way tie, you know, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State are all 11-1. They all have the the head-to-head wins against each other.
1: Or, or if it's something kind of like last year, if, you know, I know you guys don't think there's any chance that this happens, but, you know, Michigan State somehow beats Ohio State, pull off a miracle, and then Michigan is able to beat Michigan State but loses to Ohio State, and then, say, Ohio State because of some stupid rule that they'll probably make up on the spot just to, to make sure Ohio State gets in. They, they're the ones who get the, to go to the Big Ten championship game. You know, how, how does how does it happen in that scenario? Yeah, so, I mean, I, another,
2: interesting. another interesting one that crossed my mind, too, is, is what if Notre Dame loses to Ohio State and then wins out, and what if Michigan goes 11-1 with a loss to Ohio State, too? Do they take Notre Dame,
1: or do they take Michigan? That's a good uh,
0: question. I
1: mean... I mean, I'm biased because I don't like Notre Dame, so <laughs> I don't. I don't because really care I think Notre Dame much either. I just
2: I think just just the brand, the money would drive them to, to take Notre Dame over Michigan, especially because yeah. the, the, the Michigan Ohio State game just just play. it'd be a little stale.
0: So know? if Michigan, if Notre Dame, well, I think Notre Dame would get in because if they if they go undefeated. Other than Ohio State, that means they beat Clemson. That means they beat. Yeah, USC. that means they beat.
1: Yeah, I mean, that means uh, they beat a lot of good teams.
0: I guess those are really the, the two. That's teams. Really,
1: that's really it. But I mean,
2: Michigan could pretty much match that. I mean, assuming Michigan State, Penn State, and Iowa are all good,
1: they can match that resume. Yeah, but Clemson is a different. I don't know. I, I think Clemson's they overrated. Won't I think they're over. Well, like, that's what I'm saying. I think they're overrated.
2: Yeah, I mean I, Clemson I, goes I, out and they're, they're ten and two, nine and three again. How much of an impressive win is
1: that for another day? That's a good point. That's that. I mean, it's going to be interesting, and I mean, we could go down a rabbit hole that can last for hours talking about potential playoff scenarios. There's just this is there's going to be a lot of parity. I feel like the most parity that we've seen in a while in college football. Like I know Clemson is in the top four, but does really anybody think they're going to be that great? Like they're not going to be a Clemson team of two, three years ago. I just I just don't think that there's any way that happens, so I mean, we'll mm. see. You never know. You Here's never know. Thing.
0: I think if um who's the so I know Clemson, they have DJ Aluga and then who's that big they have a big time uh, they have yeah. a big time backup. I can't remember. PJ, do you know who it's
1: it is? It's a five star. Uh
2: Cade Klubnick?
0: Yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. me. Cade, yeah, Cade yeah. Klubnick. Yes, yes, yes. So, and I mean, I mean, I, I, am old enough to remember the last time that Clemson replaced a veteran quarterback with a freshman. I, I'm old enough to remember what happened that season. Yeah,
1: yeah Kelly Bryant and uh, Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence, but I so don't know. I I, I think, don't know if they have the talent. That they did on that kind of on that team.
0: I mean, they probably don't, but I think they're they still have enough talent to be in the top five. Yeah, like either that's true. I, the I problem mean, is to figure out that a is not the guy, you probably have to lose a game.
1: So oh, for sure. But da- I mean, Dabo showed in that year they didn't lose. They didn't. It didn't take him losing a game for him to pull Kelly Bryant and Dude. put in Trevor
0: Lawrence. I know I'm going to sound like a homer, but. I think an un, an, a slept-on team to go undefeated is Pitt. And the only reason I say that, listen to Pitt's schedule. West Virginia, Tennessee, Western Michigan, Rhode Island, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, Louisville, UNC, Syracuse, Virginia, Duke, and then Miami.
2: Like that no, I, is- crazy. I can't see it being Tennessee to be honest. What? I can't see them
0: beating Tennessee. Tennessee? Really? You think Tennessee's... Like... I don't don't know. I don't see Tennessee being... Like... I mean, maybe they are, but... It's... Tennessee is a perennial disappointment.
2: That's true. I mean... But Pitt, historically, has been, too. Something's got
0: to get there. Okay, so if they beat Tennessee, the only other, like competitive team on that schedule is Miami, and that's their last game of the season. Yep. Like, they... they and then they got
2: to play a game, probably against Clemson.
0: Right. But, that team is, like, like just with that schedule, I, I think they they are slept on to at least be, like, in the conversation. Although, it does hurt a lot that they lost Jordan Addison to the USC. That was kind. Of, that was kind of a bit of a surprise. That was. That was really weird. I don't really. Well, he's
2: allegedly not happy now either. It sounds like a lot of the money he was prowling just hasn't come through. Yeah, the check isn't cleared. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It bounced. It's like the check he got. He got the check that the guy got in semi pro. He's. It's the big check. He's gotta go to the big bank. Hey, he got
2: that money eventually, man. He did get that money. He got hey, that he that after he his
0: money eventually. Maybe. I, so Maybe. uh one more thing I would want to talk about is who who do you see out of the West as like like is that is it a one team race, is it a two team race, three team race? Who who do you see as the the big contenders in the big ten West this year? Yeah.
1: I don't know. I'll let, I'll let PJ start it off. I don't, I don't really see. Well, I'll, I'll let P, you go ahead, PJ. All right. I mean, I, for, for me, it's, it's three teams. I, I think
2: Wisconsin and Iowa perennially are, are going to be up there just because it's the Big Ten last and it's not that hard to win. Uh, but this year, I mean, I really like Minnesota. I think Minnesota's a little sneaky. I know you said you're not buying in, Jack, but uh, I, I think that run game's going to be really, really good. The defense is going to be solid. And. I don't think they're going to blow the doors off, but winning the Big Ten West is not that difficult. You could win ten games and, and beat Wisconsin and Iowa, and you'll be there.
1: Okay. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, I agree. I, I got Minnesota. I don't have Iowa. I think Minnesota and Wisconsin. I, as long as Spencer Petrus is the quarterback or Padilla, whatever those guys are, I just have no faith in Iowa because, I mean, you need at least a confident quarterback, and those guys are both just brutal. So um, I got to go with Wisconsin. I think you I feel like Graham Burts has to take a step forward, um, just because of how poor he was last year. And then Tanner Morgan is somehow still on the team at, over in Minnesota, and I believe Muhammad Ibrahim is back after the season-ending injury he had last year. I don't know if you. Correct me if I'm wrong, PJ, but he—he's back, isn't he? He's back and healthy. He's, uh, he's back and healthy, and he's back in the Big Ten. I—I I think he could be the best running back in the Big Ten. So now that he's back, i, I think Minnesota is definitely going to be. I think they could have a repeat of the year that they had a few years back, where they—they um, they almost won the Big Ten West. I think they could end up doing it this year. So I, my two top, my top two contenders are. I'd say Wisconsin again has to be the favorite just because they're so well coached and so fundamental. But uh, I think the sleeper Minnesota.
0: Fair enough. What about you guys? Don't think uh, Nebraska?
1: No, no. Six mm-hmm. and six probably
2: would be my call for Nebraska, which isn't winning need the Big Ten last. All
0: right.
1: Um, do you know? Do you know what? I feel like I feel like I told I talked to Jack about this, but do you know what Nebraska's uh, plus minus? Was last year? I want to say it was six and a half, but I'm. I'm oh no, not, not 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 over under. Excuse me. I mean, uh, last year
2: what their point, differential. Uh, point uh, differential? Yeah, that's plus minus point I, differential. I do not, but I can't imagine it was. Uh, if it was negative, it was barely negative. It was
1: it was zero. Zero. Okay. <laughs> because the one game the, or excuse me, their Big Ten point differential. Not 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 their total, not their total. Their big ten point differential, because their combined losses were forty nine points, and they beat Northwestern by forty nine. <laughs> oh man! And they had one, they had one win. Oh, what's, what's that? Eight, big... eight games that they lost by a combined forty nine yeah. points. Yeah. Oh, that's brutal. And then, then the one game they won, they won fifty six to seven. Oh, <laughs> brutal. Brutal indeed. But uh. You guys have
0: any any closing thoughts? I I have one more question. Of course. And again, I'm gonna sound like a homer. But PJ, do you think there's any world where we see Michigan State winning a national championship in the next six years? Yes, there's definitely
2: a world where it happens. I think recruiting has got to keep going the way it's been going and probably get a little better than it's been, even. Um, And he's got to keep utilizing the transfer portal the way he's been using it. But six years is a long time to to keep that upward trajectory going. So I'll say, yeah, I don't don't know if I'd put money down on it, but there's definitely a world where it's possible.
0: And then, okay, so if I told you one of Michigan or Michigan State, and this would be a question for both of you if I told you one of them will win a national championship in the next six years, which team would you think it would be?
2: Michigan State. I mean, I, I think Michigan's very good and very safe. I, I don't know that the lever, at least under Jim Harbaugh get over that hill that you're going to need to be over to, to beat the
1: Georgias and the Alabamas and the Clemsons in the world. JP? I mean, because of the fact that I think there's no chance in hell that either of them do, this is a, I think this is just kind of a, this is a, this is just got to be a homer pick for me, so I'm just going to go with Michigan. See? I just don't, I, just, I don't, I don't think there's any chance. I don't think there's any chance in hell that either of them come close. See, not, okay come close is wrong come close is wrong I think both of them could make the playoffs but I don't think either of them are would make you know would be able to make a championship game and give even a make a it to the
0: money. game you don't think either of them could even make it to the game uh, not that not that maybe. it's likely but I like I just think I think this is the next two years are if, really important I mean, for this fr- like I think
1: I think so too but it If if Ryan Day goes to the NFL or something, then maybe. But if he's still there, then I don't know.
0: I just think that I I think if Michigan State keeps if Michigan State has another two years, maybe not exactly like they just had, but on maybe right under it, you know, lose one extra game. If they go ten and three, if they go say they go twenty and six in the next two years. Like, I think with the way Mel Tucker recruits, I think you're going to start seeing them recruit in a way that is on par with the big boys. And once you get to that level, I mean, you know, it's obviously you have to turn them into players, but, and that's assuming that Mel has the capability of doing that. But, like, you got to have the players, the recruits, to get to that point. And I think you could see them getting those type of players if Michigan State keeps having keeps having seasons like they just had so
1: yeah, but I mean it's like I mean, he's recruiting well, but he's not like not like that great. It's not like he's like Alabama Notre Dame, Texas Ohio State level
0: no, like but are, I mean he's recruiting at a top twenty level
1: no. I don't think they're
0: top 20. PJ, what's their what's their recruiting class for 2023? What's their rank right now?
2: I think it depends which site you use.
0: 247. I two,
2: four, that's kind of the bible. I think they're like 247. or right
0: Okay, now. so yeah, top 25. 25. I mean, you've never we've never seen state recruit like that.
2: But but here's the other thing too. I mean, the class is not over. And on top of that, the the where they're at with that top 24 it's less quantity and more quality. I mean, right. I think they have like 11 four stars, Michigan State hasn't recruited 11 four stars in the last six classes combined. So I mean, there's definitely a, a shift with what they're doing. I, I don't think where they're at currently with recruiting is enough to get you over the the, the hurdles you're talking about, I but agree. I I definitely think that trajectory could continue to you know point up.
1: I mean, I think you need to be top, I think you need to be like top 5 to get to, to win a national championship. Like consistently.
0: I mean, I at don't least know if for you a few
1: years, like, th- like at least for like three out of like five years, you know, at least like you know fifty to sixty percent of the time, you need to have like a top five class.
0: I mean, but here's the thing: like, we weren't seeing, we weren't seeing Clemson recruit top five classes, and then oh yes, we were, and then they brought in Dabo, and then they won, they started winning, and then their classes became became what they are now so like i don't i don't see any like a reason why that can't happen with michigan state i'm not saying it will happen but like i don't see a reason to be like oh yeah that's impossible <clears throat>
1: I mean, that's I, fair. I, all right fair point uh, i agree with that and I, i'd even add
2: you know one wrinkle to this I mean traditionally yes you do have to have like a top 5 top 8 class consistently to compete but I mean this is the transfer portal here now if you're top 10 and you're bringing in good transfer classes that could make up for some of that loss that you're having between that you know that 5 and 10 spot
0: that's true too and then okay PJ one more question I wanted to ask you so say say dist- disaster strikes Peyton Thorne not cutting it and he has to go do you think Kaden Hauser is ready to step up at this point and be li- cuz I mean I I've, I've seen some places that think he's like the next, you know, the next Connor Cook. Like do you think he's a guy that is going to one reach that level or and two do you think he would be ready to play this year if necessary?
2: Um I think I think a lot of that depends on when they pull the trigger. I mean week one if there's an injury to Peyton Thorne I, I think it's probably Noah Kim uh, but, but by the time you get to week four week five I, I think it's I think Hauser's probably overtaken him for that backup QB spot job and I and I think he's probably the most talented quarterback in the in the backups right now um, it's just a matter of, of when can he mentally be ready and, and when can he have the playbook down to the level he needs to have it down
0: okay alright um JP, anything else?
1: No, nothing for me. Nothing for me. Uh, Great Hard Knocks episode last night. dude. Hopefully, very excited about the Lions season.
0: Dude, it wasn't about the players (laughs) at all. It was just like, oh, look how cool Dan Gamble is. Like, okay, I don't need to see that idiot. I
1: mean, can you expect anything different than just hearing him talk about, like, utter nonsense?
0: I mean, no, but (laughs) Uh, it was just, whatever. It was just dumb.
1: it is. But, but no that's it for me PJ for me. any
0: closing thoughts
1: no no I'm good I'm I'm ready for football to
0: kick up go green yeah go white well PJ appreciate you coming on it's good talking to you good uh, insight to get so uh, we appreciate that and uh all right yeah, thank you PJ
2: all yeah, right, happy to be here,
0: you guys. All right. Thank you for listening, all our loyal listeners and fans and supporters. It's crazy. I get stopped in the street every time I go out. But, all right. That is it for us. All right. Goodbye.